and welcome to another edition of Best Bets here on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. Tonight we have Gene Clemens, as always, joining with me. And we also are bringing in our good friend Chris James, another analyst here at Football Game Plan. Follow Gene on Twitter at Gene Clemens, Chris at CJ Florida 9. This is week four of Best Bets. And if you haven't heard our podcast, we give you about a good six games. Well, now we're going to give you a little bit more because we have our guy Chris James with us. We're going to give you some games that we feel strongly about that you can put a couple shekels on this weekend and hopefully win you some dough. Uh, and as always, follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash podcast and subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. So, as always, we're going to give you some college football stuff, some NFL stuff, and we're going to start – in college football, and I'm going to kick it off. One game that's screaming out to me was the Eastern Michigan versus Buffalo game, the University of Buffalo. And Eastern Michigan is a three-point underdog in this game to Buffalo. And I kind of like that that line because I love Eastern Michigan's defense. We just saw what they did last week against Purdue. And I believe the reason why this is three and a half because Buffalo has a really good defense. But Buffalo has two outstanding players on offense – uh, the receiver, and Tyree Jackson, the quarterback, who is 6'7", 235, and has become a legit pro prospect. I'm going to just lay the points here with Buffalo. I think Buffalo can win this game by about three and a half, four points, something like that. So I think this is a good line, an easy play for me. I like Buffalo to, to win against Eastern Michigan, which should be a good game in the MAC. And then that's a great that's a great pick. Um, Buffalo's been playing some tough ball. So it'll be it'll definitely be a good game, but I could I could easily see Eastern Michigan coming out with the win with that with that defense that they possess. For me, I look at a team that has started this this season extremely hot. Um, Oklahoma, the Sooners, everybody's talking, and and for good reason. Oklahoma's played great offensive ball. Um, their defense has been improved from last year when they couldn't stop water from running. I think it's 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 really interesting to see this dynamic of a team who realizes that they're renting a quarterback for a year, yet they've had the quarterback in their system. Many times when you see a team get a quarterback for one year, it's because they got the quarterback from somewhere else. Um, that quarterback came and transferred in. But the fact that um Kyler Murray is playing quarterback for Oklahoma. And you essentially know he's going to play this year because he's got a $5 million paycheck waiting for him in baseball. It makes it an interesting dynamic. They've been steamrolling ahead. No one's been able to stop them on offense. Um, I, don't see, I don't see Iowa State stopping them on offense as well. They were able to stifle um, Iowa um, at Iowa, and I think that they were able to do so because that's a rivalry game. And, and quite honestly, Iowa's offense has never been anything that's um, dynamic or, or complex or something that you have to worry about as a defense, but Iowa's defense was able to keep Iowa State at bay. I don't. I also don't underplay the, the fact that Oklahoma is it has revenge on their mind because Iowa State walked into Oklahoma last year and and shot them, and I, I'm sure none of those players who were on this team have forgotten about that. They'll be looking for a blowout. I like I like Oklahoma to cover that 18 points. Yeah, it's interesting because Oklahoma will be, you know, when you look at that game last year, no Alan Lazard this year, and they may not even have their quarterback who I like and, and Kyle Kemp, you know, who got hurt last week. So 
you know, that right there, yeah, they have good defense, but if they can't put points on the board, Oklahoma's going to roll. I agree with you there. You know, I'm going to jump in here, and I'm going to stay in the same area of the country as Oklahoma. I'm actually going to move a little further down south to Texas and look at Texas A&M. Look, this is a huge spread, so I'm going to warn you. It's at 26-and-a-half, massive spread. Uh, the one-and-a-half points makes me, gives me more comfort because four touchdowns is very easy to do against a team. And the UL Monroe Warhawks, where, let's go ahead and be honest, they can't stop anyone from passing the ball. Southern Miss threw for 350. You had uh, Southeast Louisiana throw for 350. They can't stop anyone. And, in fact, it's not like they're actually winning games with any zest of any sort. They won the uh, first game against Southeast Louisiana by, what, three points when they scored a late touchdown in the last minute. They also had to pick off a pass to end a game against Southern Miss where they pretty much stole one in Hattiesburg. So I'm sitting here. I'm looking at a Texas A&M team that has the firepower. Kellerman's playing really good football. Jimbo's got a lot to prove. And they just lost a game against Clemson, one that they really could have won, to be honest, in the second half to like the better team. I think they go out late to smack down, score a good 56 points pretty much in line, and end up winning this one by about 35 to 40 going away from that 26 and a half. Yeah, they're going to be upset this week because they could have won, like you said, last week against Clemson and UL Monroe. You know, one of those teams that people are talking about as a favorite in the Sunbelt Conference. But like you said, Southeastern Louisiana should have won that game. Last week, Southern Miss should have won that game. And I don't think they can get past Arkansas State. And, you know, when they play Troy and and my Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they're going to struggle. So I agree with you there. I'm going to go back to the West Coast. Uh, this time, I'm going to look at Oregon State and Nevada. And I came away impressed with uh, Jamar, Jamar, I'm sorry, Jefferson, the running back. He's a true freshman running back, came in the game after the starter got hurt and ran for over 200 yards. And, and they were able to get their first win. And their coach, um, you know, he's an Oregon State guy. So I, I like that. You know, he took over for, you know, the previous head coach. And they brought someone that is used to the program. And we used to know Oregon State as one of those teams that, it's going to be consistently in a bowl game. And the one year they had, uh, they were in a Fiesta Bowl and, and things like that. Um, but they are three and a half point underdogs to Nevada. That's interesting because Nevada just got smoked last week and they can't stop the run. So I said all that to say this Jefferson is going to have another big day. Oregon State is going to win their second straight. And it's going to look a lot interesting out there for the Beavers who are playing some positive football uh, for, for the first time in a long time. So I'm going to take Oregon State and the points against Nevada. Yeah, and, I, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see. You know, one of the one of the undersold thing is, things that they have about Oregon State going on is um, the fact that they've got their old head coach back in the building. Um, I, think, I think Riley being around the program um, definitely helps, definitely helps them and helps their confidence and, and know that this isn't a forgotten program. For me, I'm going to go um, into the Big Ten. Well, excuse me, the, the, the SEC and the Big Ten. And probably the most disappointing Big Ten team this year so far to me has been Purdue. They just have not looked like a team that was supposed to turn the corner. A team, it, it makes me, and I go back to it, they're always willing to get rid of these coaches. And they got rid of um, Hazel, and it was supposed to – Braun was supposed to come in, and, and everything was supposed to be okay. And this offense has looked putrid. 
And now that offense is going to have to match wits with the Missouri offense that is rolling on all cylinders. And they're letting a dude like Drew Locke throw the ball 45, 50 times a game. I'm sorry. If you're going to let Drew Locke throw the ball 45, 50 times a game, he's going to roll up some numbers on you. I really, I mean, unless your name is Bama or Auburn or one of the really elite D Clemson, one of the really elite defenses in, in the nation. But if he's throwing the ball 45, 50 times, that's probably a recipe for you to lose, especially if he's not turning the ball over, which he didn't do um, versus Wyoming and which he didn't do in their opener versus Tennessee Martin. So I look for him to have another great game. I look for Missouri to cover. And I'm, I'm really shocked that Missouri's only favored by six points. To me, ladies and gentlemen, this is a game you want to lock in now because I don't think it'll be six points by Saturday. I think it may be seven and a half and it may, or it may be eight points. But make no mistakes, mistake about it. Missouri's going to win this game by double digits. So you want to jump on this play. This is my play of the week. And it makes all the sense in the world, especially, look, Purdue was just putrid to start the season. No offense to them, but facts are facts. And it doesn't seem to be getting any better. I, I do think that Missouri's going to roll up some points on us. So I agree with you fully on that one, Gene. I'm going to go to actually one of Gene's favorite teams and one of the teams from the state of Florida and that's Florida State on the road at Syracuse. Listen, I've, I've seen Florida State this year. It does not look good. Game one against Virginia Tech, they looked discombobulated. They looked like they didn't have anything together. They couldn't do anything in the red zone. And then the Sanford game, let's go ahead and be honest, because of name recognition more than how that team plays, because Sanford actually played good football. Uh, they just didn't have the zest against a, a Sanford, even getting all those turnovers. So you say, okay, this is a recipe for disaster going against a Syracuse team that's underrated. I hit you with the not-so-fast, my friend, because I think Syracuse has a lot of holes in their secondary. Their defense has given up a lot of passing yards. And this is the type of game, after getting a W under their belts, where Florida State will see that talent show out. You saw it against Virginia Tech. They were more talented than Virginia Tech. They were just a better organized team in that game. I think what's going to happen here is that three-point favorite that Florida State has is going to expand and be more of a 10- to 13-point win. I think they'll actually put it on Syracuse in this game. So you want to go ahead and take care of that before uh, it, it, it expands anymore just in case there's a, a letdown late and the game comes back close to three points. You know, it's interesting because that's an intriguing matchup. I like that receiver for Syracuse. Custis, I think he's going to be an outstanding uh Pro prospect, the six five guy that they move all around. I want to ask you guys quickly before we move on to the NFL. Um, Vanderbilt plays Georgia, and you know Vanderbilt quietly is is sitting at two and zero, oh, and they got some confidence. You think any chance Vanderbilt upsets Georgia this week? Well, Notre Dame. No, yeah, that's what I'm sorry. Notre Dame. They play Georgia in a, in a couple weeks. So I will man, that it. makes it even. <laughs> we know and. I'm glad I tweeted this out earlier in the summer. I was like, listen, the numbers may not say it, but I was watching some film. Ball State secondary going to be awesome. And lo and behold, Ball State secondary is what gave Notre Dame problems. So I'll, I'll change the question. Do you think Vanderbilt knocks off Notre Dame? No. I'll answer it really quick. Because I don't think Vanderbilt has an ability to stop Notre Dame from running the ball. And I think that's really what it's going to come down to. I think they got two cute versus Ball State. 
the Ball State defensive back should have never had a chance to be in the game because Notre Dame should have been running that thing down their throat the entire game. So anytime um, Kelly gets a, Brian Kelly gets a little too cute, they get into games they shouldn't be in. I think he'll go back to the recipe that worked versus Michigan, tote the ball downhill. And Gene took my point exactly, which is if they just do what, let's say, in Alabama does, because, no, Notre Dame's not Alabama, but Notre Dame has athletes. They can run the ball effectively, control the game, run downhill. They could blow out Vanderbilt. But if they try to do too much and let Wimbush shoot, I mean, he's not a polished passer. He just doesn't have it right now. He can complete passes, especially when he's out of the pocket on the run. If they try to do too much, this is a Vanderbilt team that can keep it close. I don't think they can steal one, though, especially in South Bend. I, I, I wouldn't touch this game with a tempo pole because you don't know what's going to happen. Are you going to get the cute Notre Dame who makes it a close game, or are you going to get the Notre Dame that rolls if they just run the ball? It's gonna be I'm with CJ. I'll definitely fade that game. Going to be interesting. Moving over to the NFL, I'm going to kick this one off. In New Orleans, the Browns come in uh, after tying the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are nine-point underdogs in New Orleans. And we just saw the Saints score 40 points in a loss. Their defense gave up 48 points, I believe, against Tampa Bay. Now, we know week one is essentially the fifth preseason game, and I think Cleveland's offense is still a bit more of a work in progress than a finished product. I also believe the Saints' offense is a, is kind of in midseason form. They're built to score points. Their defense, though, I still have questions about the Patrick Robinson signing and all kind of the places. But I think they can win this game by double digits. So I'm going to go ahead on and lay the points with the Saints in this one. Until Cleveland figures out their, you know, their personnel, they got good personnel. They can easily win this game. But I think they're right now in flux, and I could be wrong. But I just think the Saints' offense is built to score all game long, and they don't take their foot off the gas. So it may be a close game, but the Saints still would win by 10 points. I would say lay the points with the Saints. Yeah, and and obviously it's hard when you when you have to go when you when, when you have to play New Orleans, and you know that that offense is clicking on all cylinders, and Drew Brees is throwing the ball like he was throwing the ball um, this past Sunday. Um, for me, I look at a game. I go back to those Bucks that the Saints played, and I don't think it was a, I don't think it was an aberration. I think that the Bucks offense is going to be hard to stop because they have receiving weapons everywhere. OJ Howard is going to have a monster year. If you have him in fantasy, you you did yourself a good, you did yourself a good service. Um, Chris Godwin's going to have a great year. You've already seen that. Deshaun Jackson is going to be a factor this year um, as he's now ingratiated himself into the offense. Um, we know what Mike Evans does. It's hard to stop that dude. Um, and and we're, we're still not even talking about Cameron Brait or about backside of the backfield yet. Um, Barber's running the ball hard. I think once they, once they figure out how to use Ronald Jones and get him off the inactive list, I think, or, or the, the, yeah, the inactive list, then I think he'll also be a weapon. Because he can't catch, apparently, but every time he does catch it, it's for a lot of yards. I think it's going to be hard for Philadelphia to come into Tampa Bay and have a really riled up Tampa Bay and beat them by three. So I like the Bucks to cover the three. I'm, I'm sorry, I like the Bucks with the three over Philly. And it's interesting for me with that game because I think if it was just the two teams playing – 
and what happened in New Orleans last week didn't happen. I, I fully ride with you because I like the way that Tampa's defensive line actually matches up with a really good Philly line. Uh, still a little weak spot at the left tackle, though. Um, but I still question whether Fitzpatrick is going to get comfortable, and we know what he is when he gets comfortable. He plays well when he's trying to prove something, but when he's comfortable, he is Nathan Peterman-like. Uh, so I'm actually going to take a divisional game from the same division as Philly, and I'm going to go with the team that, listen, I think they made the right choice, even though some people would say Sam Darnold is, but that's another topic for another day. I'm going to take the Giants and the three points, and I'm going to say they went straight up against the Dallas Cowboys. Listen, the Giants are built to be an aggressive and attacking defense. They gave Jacksonville some fifth last week. That offensive line is not functioning well, especially with Travis Frederick being out. Receivers, for some reason, can't get open. Dak has no time to throw the ball. Like, let's not say that it's just Dak not being able to throw the ball. He's not playing well, but he also is not getting any protection. And I think that on the opposite side of the ball, the Giants don't even try to throw it. They're just going to run the ball with Saquon Barkley, be safe, hope they get a big play out of Odell Beckham Jr. I actually think that they're going to win straight up. And it might not be as close as it may seem. I think they might end up rolling Dallas in Dallas on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because when you look at the Cowboys and and what's their issue, on paper, the Giants have better uh, perimeter personnel. Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham Jr., Saquon Barkley is a push between him and Ezekiel Elliott, Evan Ingram. You know, so they have the perimeter options. The difference between the Cowboys and the Giants is probably the quarterback. Dak is better than Eli, and that offensive line is – is slightly better than the Giants based on what we saw last week. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it your way, Chris. Uh, I'll, I'll go back to a team that is talk about being in flux. The Chargers are seven-point favorites against Buffalo. And right now that number is, is you know, seven. You want to lock that in, like Gene says, before it gets out of hand. Because when you look at the Buffalo Bills starting a rookie quarterback against an aggressive defense like the Los Angeles Chargers – to me, that's a situation where that one is not going to be the 40-plus burger that the Ravens put on them in the, in the rainstorm. I'll credit that to being in the rainstorm and Nate Peterman. Um, I think they're going to call a conservative game, but I look at the Chargers offense like the Saints offense. They will threaten you to score constantly. And so if you lock this number in by seven, you're going to walk away with some easy money. Uh, so I think they roll in this game. You talk about blowing the team out. I think this one could be like 24 to three or something like that uh, before it's all said and done. So I would say later points with the Chargers in this one. At the half, 24-3 at the half. <laughs> I mean, let's, 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 be honest with, let's be honest with the fans about it. We don't like Buffalo. Like, <laughs> we don't like – you're going to hear Buffalo on this podcast a lot. If you want to make some money this year, just, I mean, just keep betting against Buffalo right now. Until they, until, until they show any signs of life – at the quarterback position, I have no faith in what they do. I don't think they've set up their team very well. I think they're still trying to lose. I think they're on that Philadelphia 76ers plan where they're just trying to tank for a few years, hopefully gather some really good assets, and then hit on one or two of them in order to make their team better. Um, I don't have any faith. I, I'm, I would, I would, you know, happily, happily give that seven. 
I might happily give 10, but I'll definitely give seven. Um, for me, my last game, I look at a game where it's a, it's a great matchup, and I, I'm still waiting on an offensive coordinator to get it right with this quarterback. I don't understand why every offensive coordinator believes that the way in which you have to manage Cam Newton is to play him conservatively until you're down, and then you want to turn him loose. I really wish that North Turner would treat Cam Newton like Sean Payton treats Drew Brees. When Sean Payton sees that Drew Brees has a hot hand early, he just completely and totally lets the reins loose, and Drew Brees throws for five, six touchdowns, 300, 400 yards. With Cam Newton, he has a hot hand early. They ride him for a couple series, they get a lead, and then they shut him down, and they rely on a defense that's on the sneak not as good as they think they are. But they're playing an Atlanta team that I think is so overhyped and so overranked. And I see Carolina going into Atlanta. Not only do I like the plus six, but I would be willing to lay a small amount of money on Carolina to win outright. That's got to be plus 220, 225 money. One of the things that I think people are missing, because, Gene, you're, you're correct as, as far as Cam Newton. Yeah, okay, he has some inefficiencies with, with accuracy because he doesn't drive off the back foot. That being said, it's not like he hasn't had back-to-back and multiple 400-yard passing games. Heck, he did it his first game in the NFL. But here's the other point. One of the things Atlanta wanted to do on defense was to build the Legion of Boom in Seattle's defense, right? Great. Well, who did they lose? Their, their Cam Chancellor and Keanu Neal and their Bobby Wagner and Deion Jones. That's going to open up a lot of stuff over the middle, even without Greg Olson. It's also going to allow for Christian McCaffrey to work inside. And pay attention. They're going to use a lot of C.J. Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. I like your pick because it is – look, Atlanta's in their own heads. The talent's there but they are in their own heads. They should have beaten Philly last week. They're in their own heads. So good pick. I agree with you on that one, Gene, especially, especially the straight-up pick. I'm going to go with another one that is actually trending towards 50-50. The line, depending on where you see it, is it's a pick em. It's minus one. It's minus one and a half. The good thing is you're getting, ooh, it started off as plus one for this team, but everyone's taking the money on it to get to it soon. The Texans versus the Titans. I was going to say take them straight up. Now, again, they're actually getting a point and a half, or giving a point and a half. That New England game is just the following. New England at home to open a season is better than virtually every other team for the last decade. They do not lose home openers, period, no matter how good the team they're playing is. The Texans had a chance to win that game even though they were outplayed. The Titans. The Titans don't know what the Titans are. The Titans also don't know if Marcus Mariota knows what he is. This defense is going to get right against him. They're going to make this possibly a laugher in Nashville. Sorry for our teammate about that. But I like this Texas team to actually compete for the AFC this year, and I think this is their coming out party. I think they actually do some work here against Tennessee. So get on this before the spread goes up anymore. It's already shifted two and a half points. Man, we saw Blaine Gabbard in the game for the t- for the Titans. So yeah, you're right. You know, and so that means if Mariota comes back, he's not going to be 100. percent And right now, JJ Watt and Jadevian Clowney are are at 100. percent 
Tyron Matthew had an interception last week. Yeah, this could get ugly like bowling shoes, as as they like to say. So, you know, this is some good stuff, man. I think we're doing fine. I, just to recap for the folks out there, college football, I have uh, Buffalo, Oregon State. Chris has Florida State and A&M. Uh, Gene has Oklahoma and Missouri. And in the NFL, I have the Saints, the Chargers. Chris has the Texans and the Giants. Gene has the Bucks and the Panthers. And and last week, uh, Gene went three and one. I went three and one as well. Overall, I'm three three and one. Gene is four and two. Chris, we're going to learn about your schedule this week, uh, your uh, your uh, record this week. But we got you guys winning some money here on the Best Best Podcast. And again. Follow Gene on Twitter at Gene Clemens. Follow Chris on Twitter at CJ49. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating. Tell all your friends about this podcast, how you guys can win money. Maybe don't tell all your friends about it because you're going to be winning all that money by yourself. But definitely tell your friends about it so they can listen to us. Hey, so yo, E. E, before you get out of here, don't don't undersell it. Literally, we made we made people a lot of money last week. Oh, and, and, right. if, you, and if, if you want to be honest, uh, when that Ball State game, Ball State was what 34 to 34 and a half point underdogs mm-hmm. and they lost by like seven. So mm-hmm. you made you some loot. We've made people money on this podcast. You, you could have teased it. That's you true. You could have teased it. I t- I tell you what, like it if you're if you're playing our bets right now, if you were playing all our bets straight up, you'd be you'd be sitting um really nicely right now in the plus money. And if you were if you were, if you if you did a, a nice little um um round parlay. robin teaser, oh, I'm sorry, round robin parlay, you got paid on you got paid on on four out of the five bets. So you gotta like you gotta like what we're doing right now. Not a lot of people are giving you seventy five percent, you know, in a week when they when they go four picks. So um, we'll hope to continue to do the thing. Obviously, there's some there's some luck involved, but let's not undersell that three and one and three and one. Um, it might not be a, a it might not be like that every week. Right. So that's a lot of money in week in two weeks. And we got a lot more weeks to go in college football. So for Gene, for CJ, for Chris, for Teron out there doing big things with the Titans on ESPN, for Brandon out there doing big things down in Florida. I'm Emory Hunt, the Zarda Playbook, and we will catch you next time here on Best Bets. <laughs>